This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands, the Aurora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey and I'm the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at the University of Technology, Sydney. And my producer today is Anthony Dockerell. Today, we have a one-on-one special with the boss, the boss of the number one online news website in the country. About 10 million Australians a month visit news.com.au. Sitting on top of it is Kate DeBrito. Hello, Kate. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm great. And thank you so much for um, coming in. It's a pleasure. I hope so. We're going to talk about your own journey and some of the issues of the day later in the show, not least the proposed federal inquiries into media freedom. But first... Tell us, what's the secret to news.com.au? You know, why is it number one? Well, that's a secret, of course. <laughs> I don't want to tell all my competitors. Right. No, there is some special sauce. There um, is. I guess I would say some uh, fairly predictable things and say it's, um, it's a team, but oh. it is because I've worked uh, with different people at different times in my career and I think we all know that there's a, a, a really first-grade team and then there's not. And I think that I'm fortunate at the moment that we have a really brilliant team. Um, mm. Some of them have been there for quite some time, so they know the brand really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, the other thing is that a lot of them have been in digital for, for a mm. reasonable amount of time. More so than, they get more than dig- two years. They get it. <laughs> more than six months, they get digital. <laughs> they get it. They get yeah, okay. It. So just but having the um, – so news, news.com.au, of course, is part of News Corp. Mm-hmm. So ha- having the might and reach and – Dare I say it, you know, some of the metaphorical love of the CEO of News, Michael Miller, and and various Murdochs, whatever, that must help, doesn't it? Well, look, I mean, it's it's great being part of a a big company like News Corp. Um, You know, we are a huge media company, and at its heart, you know, News Corp has always been around about journalism and and stories. News.com.au obviously had a bit of a strange beginning. It sort of cropped up on the sidelines and, mm. and, and quite some time ago, 21 years ago, it was a portal for, for many years. It was an aggregator and it sort of morphed over that time into the news side it is today. Uh, there was a time, you know, years and years ago where it ran content from the Daily Telegraph and, you know, uh, the Herald Sun. We saw a news aggregator. News, yeah, news corp aggregator, and then yeah. it, it has stopped doing that because um, the Metro mastheads obviously now are a subscriber 
uh, sites, so their content's locked. So all our content is free, and and I guess that's a great um, you know it's a great benefit for us. It obviously puts us ahead. It's hard to be a subscriber only site and be the number one news site in Australia. So well, we don't take it, that for it granted. Wouldn't happen, would exactly. It? So no. we don't take that for granted. Obviously, being free is our um, number one offering. But, um, you know, I think that those days of that sort of, you know, the fact of where do we fit in a company where they're trying to sell journalism as well have have sort of settled a lot. Um, the metros do their job. They do a great job. They're still running print operations as well, as well as trying to drive, um, you know, sub subscriptions. And mm. we, meanwhile, just um, dive in every day and, and give our readers the best of, of free content. So when you're in the lift with the editor of the Telegraph or the Oz, yes. do they whisper, you know, oh, there's that... Sweet nothings. There's that, there's that free... free Free, you know, no. look, at the, look how easy she no, has it. I, look, she doesn't know what it's like to be behind a paywall. Well, I, no, I know the editors very well. I'm on an editorial board with them. You know, we work, we work. You know, I, I hope very productively together on sort of some wider editorial guidelines for the company. So, you know, but I think the fact that they are now almost entirely locked and we are free sort of has made the division you know very clear to us now we don't sort mm. of overlap as as maybe we did fumble into each other you know six or seven years ago i don't think that happens as much sometimes you have similar content right of course because the news is the news is the news right and i think that that doesn't change it's like you'll probably look around at nine.com.au or the abc or smh or the daily mail and you'll news.com.au or, or the daily telegraph and you'll mm. see wow there's a lot of the same stories because that that's what happens sure so how do you make news.com.au different I think we try to make it different by being really accessible. Um, again, I don't want to use buzzwords that mean nothing, but I do think that we've always been about the reader and the reader first, and I think we try oh. to throw ourselves into the reader's minds and positions and hearts every single day. And, you know, I, I sit on the news desk. Um, Lisa Muxworthy, the editor, sits next to me on the news desk and we talk about stories all day. Right. You know, why is that? Why why do they like this story? You know, we laugh about things. Why do they love this story? You know, what is it about this that gets to them? What's the entry point for them? You know, mm. are they liking it because it's about, um, you know, we're talking about Trump's 4th of July. Um, the, the tanks. And yeah, we're talking yeah, about yeah. what is it about that that's compelling? You know, I said my entry point was the tanks. It's interesting. Yeah. So we have to always find that unique selling point in mm -hmm. a story because otherwise, as we've talked about before, people just don't click. And if they don't click, why did you go to the effort of writing the story? Well, that's right. If a journo falls in a forest, yeah, does right. anyone care? Yeah, that's exactly it. Does anyone care if no one clicks? No, they don't, and it's and it's a it's a it's a sadness in, in digital news as you can go to a lot of effort, yeah. and if you can't make anyone click on that story, it's read by you know I mean if it's read by a really tiny amount of people, then it does feel like a lot of effort for nothing, um, and sometimes it's a compelling story, so you really do have to work hard on the the entry point, the way in, what's interesting, what's different, what makes this worthwhile. You can't just say a study today. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, the words a study released, released today <laughs> is like the death of digital journalism. Um, you, you need to find a selling point. And that's, I think, what, what some of our people do really well. But some of the page editors, some of the news editors, some of our top reporters can look at a story and know that you can't just go out and report something and come back and say, this is what happened today. You really have to find the sell. So when you do, and you do, I guess, occasionally produce a story that no one clicks on, yeah. Is there a level of kind of, I know you don't have a lot of time, but do you kind of reflect on 
What went wrong? Uh, yeah, of course we do. And oh. and what what sort of things go wrong? What, what's the mistakes that well, probably the reporters spend, make? We can't spend a lot of time on every story no, wondering what went wrong. We tend to just learn our lessons and move on from them. And if 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 someone kept making them, a reporter kept saying, "Oh, but this this is," we would and it, those stories just failed and failed and failed. We would say, "Stop doing them." Mm. Eventually, it's it's like this. Don't work on the Australian. Well, you know, there is a sort of attitude that, you know, our readers come to us for a certain type of story. They like our accessibility. We're, we're unashamedly mainstream where I guess we're, we're a, a tabloid site in, in that sense. You know, we, mm. we talk things up. We talk big. We talk, you know, emotions. We talk big events. So they come to us for that reason. I'm not saying we don't cover important stories. One of our stories, uh, one of our reporters, Megan Palin, broke the story about the AFP um, you know, officer who had killed himself yeah. the fifth in Great. a couple of years. She's Great, been yeah. following that for years. Number three or four on the website today, she, right? She's done, yeah, and that story did really well. And we've been those, so it's not that we don't run serious stories or important stories by any means, but it is a matter of if you want to try and write something and you keep saying because it's important, because it's important, but you can't find a way to bring that to the reader or make the reader think it's important, then eventually we have to say, Maybe it's not important. Maybe it's not important. Maybe it's not important to them. Tell us about the readers. So you use metrics. Every news editor, every editor has a you know an army of metrics at their disposal yes. these days. But you use them. You're very overt about you know using them. You mm. you know you talk about it. Crazy, crazy for metrics. Crazy for metrics. <laughs> what metrics do you pay attention to? Uh, well, we pay attention to the daily metrics, how we did in our daily mm. UAs. So against our competitors, we look at. What we did, uh, what we did well at yesterday. What stories were the top? UAs stories? being unique audience, yeah. Unique so, audience. Yeah. Unique audience actually only comes out a few days later. It's, right. There's a there's a lag. Um, you look at UBs, which we don't pay as much attention to these days because they come out the next day because the metric is essentially dead in market. It's not. Yeah. Not something we pay attention to. What about in we, real time? When you when you real time, we're looking at we use a, a chart beat, which yep. is which is our system, um, and we obviously look at real time metrics. What's people are coming to first on the page but also how the story is doing um there's a number of ways of looking at and interpreting those um minute by minute and we and we use them all the time so there will be times when i'll look and i'll say i'll come back to my desk if i've been somewhere and i'll think oh look at that story down in lifestyle <laughs> why is it clicking for out of lifestyle and you know mostly people will say you know calm calm down bossy which is what they call me calm down it's it's been in tops and we've moved it down right. so it's still it's still, still got, got it's still it's got, got momentum so but i think that's the conversations we're having all the time is move things up move things down move things around how they're going um, in, in in almost real time all, right? completely real time yeah. Completely yeah. real time. Do you think you would look at metrics in a different way, say, than uh, you know Ben English at the telly or the you know the editor of the Courier Mail? I mean, is well, the Ben's uh, you know I would say about Ben is that Ben's probably a print editor with a great uh, eye for digital. He came from the um, the Gold Coast Bulletin where he did a great job on sort of driving subs up there. So he definitely has a digital focus. But I guess um, a lot of editors. Uh, look, I, I won't speak for print editors. I know that they're all obviously got a, a, a huge objectives around digital these days, so they do pay a lot of attention mm. to metrics, certainly much more than they did even a couple of years ago. But I think definitely for us it's a it's a it's a focus and, and as I said, there's a lot of different metrics I look at. I might look at 
reports on a particular vertical. I might look at um, social reports. Well, I mean, mm. I do look at social reports. I look at search reports. So I look at all sorts of different data to give me insight into what people are reading. That's mm. really what it comes down to is you look at the data to tell you. I mean, I'm a journo, so I, like I'm not good at numbers. <laughs> it's, well, it's not right. about numbers. That's why you're a journo. You know, it's not yeah. about numbers. It's about insight. Exactly. And it does tell you a lot about what people are interested in. And that's that honestly is is what... I love about digital and when I started in digital at news.com.au I think that's when I fell in love with it is because and I described it to someone the other day is there's a very thin layer between you and the audience all of a sudden it's almost like you can touch them mm. and that's really it's fun if nothing else it's enormous fun like the days when you know I don't have lots of meetings and I don't have to do all the boring parts of a senior job are the best times because it's when you when you just you're just in the news and, you, and you're looking at what the readers are interested in and you're serving them up more of it. They're, they're giving you a round of applause and saying, yes, we love it. Do you or ever, or yep. they're telling you they don't love it. They don't, yeah. Do you ever serve something up that you know they're not going to love? Oh. But you think it's good for them, like, you know, it's basically oh. eat your greens type yeah, stuff. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We try all the time with things that we know, uh, as I said, are maybe uh, are issues that, that are, are very important. But again, we've we've probably gone to the effort. If we're going to go to the effort of doing something, not just a one-off, but if we're going to go to the effort of doing something, we will work hard on how we can make it work. We don't say just we must do this. Mm. Because again, if we can't make people interested in it, we haven't achieved our aim of mm. alerting people to what the issue is. Like I talked about whales. This, I came in and I said... Guys, the whales, Japan's, you know, back at it. 30 years, you know, they're back to commercial. It's like the first crack we had at it sunk didn't do that well second go we had we tried a few different ways into it tried a few headlines tried to change the picture did all that sort of stuff the second day we tried again we had a bit more success so uh, for me it's about it's a we 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 play a constant dance in that way and that's Mm. something we'll come back to i think that people have a you know an obvious you know it's an issue that people feel emotional about for whatever reason we need to find the right hook to make them you know, engage with that and understand the gravity of that issue. Yeah. That's yeah, what we I, – sure. I think that's what we try to do is we try to explain why this matters. Yeah. Okay. You've said uh, a few times and recently I think I read a great interview with you in uh, Mumbrella about uh, saying that a lot of journos still don't understand digital. What do you mean by that? Well – I think digital's got a bit of a, a, a bad rap, to be honest. I think that people have made assumptions about digital that aren't true. Um, I think, you know, as I said, I think they've assumed that free digital is just aggregation. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, that we're not doing real journalism. And, you know, I think that that's a bit heartbreaking for the people who are working in digital media who, you know, if... I've worked in print and if I could watch a, a young digital journo riding a computer during a breaking news event, like a big breaking news event, there's nothing you've seen like it. I mean, that that's an ability to multitask, to pull information from all sources, to, yes, be on the phone. But being on the phone is not the only thing now. It's, it's pulling from social. It's being able to grab photos, to know where to find them, to use online resources to get the information you need to have multiple voices over your shoulder saying when are you publishing when are you publishing <laughs> i mean it's 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 masterful and it's right. beautiful and it's a these these and i don't shouldn't say young people because they're not all young in our newsroom no. we've got some very senior people or older people in our newsroom <laughs> but 
but they are very skilled and adept at it and it's their beautiful skills and their beautiful journalism skills and I, as I said I've worked in in print and I've seen some amazing journos that work in print but th- there's something really really clever about the way these, so these it, people it, uh, do are, their job are we in essence talking about speed no not just speed um I think you're talking about um things that have always been part of journalism about tactics mm-hmm about ability to find the information you need to find, um, you know, and we all tell stories about the old journo who broke the f- broke the phone in the phone booth so the next journo couldn't use it. And I think there's other tactics that journos use now, digital journos use. But, yes, it is speed. Speed's important. You can't do the job without being fast. Mm. Um, but it's it, smart but not- and wily. It's fast and wily, isn't it, or something? What is it? <laughs> It is fast and wily. It's fast and wily, and it's never, um, it's 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 never lazy because you can't. And I look, I say this. I'm not implying that other journos in print or any other f- format are lazy, but but there's an element of. Um, I mean, having written for print, as I said, someone says, can you write about this study in obesity? You write about a study about obesity, it appears on the page. You can't, As I said, you can't do that. The, the, the digital journal has to go, what, what's my angle here that's going to get people into this story? And it so isn't there, a new study shows that more people are fatter. And, and people aren't going to care about that. They know people are fatter. There's no interest in them to read that story. You will need to find something else. And that can be hard. That That's a, that's a skill in itself is finding finding that, that, that way to sell it to the reader. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I suspect we might get back to this sort of stuff, but um, I want to talk about you for a second. And I, and I, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but you are a bit of a veteran of this journalism, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> uh, and right from the get-go, uh, journalism was all around you, right? Your granddad, dad, mum, uncles, aunties, cousin, yep. your husband. Yep. And, of yep. course, your dear brother Sam, who was a Fairfax columnist whose death four years ago touched many people including myself yeah um, so uh, was there any other any other option for you other than journalism <laughs> did you think oh yeah I could have been a pilot or something I don't know uh, I don't know I think I did what a lot of teen, teens did I just stumbled through school thinking oh I'll, I'll think about it later I actually didn't have any great um, ambitions to be a journalist my whole family were a journalist so I think I thought oh I'll never be a journalist that would be stupid but then I sort of rolled out of um, you know my HSC I don't know how clear a uni a degree looked and I just think quite quickly the option presented itself someone said why don't you try journalism so there I rolled into a, a you know interview probably had some friends who Friends of the family who... Yeah, it's a bit of a help, I guess, but... Who said, you know, interview this young young girl. But, you know, I think from there you have to prove yourself. You become a copy girl. Totally. You do what you're told. Mm. You become a cadet. You hopefully stand up from the crowd and that's the way it worked mm. then. But it was great fun. I, I adored being a, a, a cadet journo and a young journo. The best, you know, just the best career, career path, you know, where you just wake up every day and you think oh my god you know you get to talk to fascinating people you get sent around to different events and sometimes you're shit scared but you know and you've always got this crew back at the office an amazing crew in journalism as you know you know and then you head to the pub 
Yeah. And uh, is it like that still? No. <laughs> no one goes to the pub anymore for a no start. No one goes, oh, no, they do go to the pub. They probably don't ask me all the time. <laughs> no, we do go to the pub. Um, it's not the same. It's not the same sort of culture. We, you know, w- workplaces have changed. Um, you know, economies have, have changed all that. There's not as many people around. People have to work harder when they are at work. Um, there's less downtime, I think, than there used to be in, in journalism. Um huh. Definitely less downtime, and I think that's that's a hard thing. It's less it. fun, maybe. Look, there's there probably is a little bit less fun. I think we still try to have fun at news.com.au, and I, I, you know, I, I mean that. I think we we laugh and I laugh a lot, but maybe there's not the same sort of, um, yeah, maybe there's not. There's, there was always a bit a lot of slacking off in journalism, which was one of its great pleasures. Was that sitting around with your feet under the desk reading the papers was considered work <laughs> and it was and it, it was, was for good yeah. reason and for good reason because you do need to read all of the papers to hmm. find out what everyone's writing and to be informed and, and that's to know still, how to ask the next best question and that's still true right? it's still absolutely true so um but yeah look it's it's definitely a changed changed industry and that just is a, a matter of the time yeah um you spent most of your time in the news fold but you did break out and go off and edit mamma mia for I a did. few years and uh, that, what was that like? It was great. I why, really, why did you do that? Was it? Uh, well, what? I actually left because I just wanted a little uh, break. Break. <laughs> Sometimes I think you just go, "What am I doing?" And I just took a little break and thought. I've always, you know, thought the next option will come up, and and it did because someone said, "Oh, you should come in and and see us." After a month or so, when I was getting bored or a couple of months, someone said, "You should come and see us," and um, and I went in and started you know, in one position and then Mayor sort of made me editor-in-chief. So um, I really enjoyed it. I was only there a year and um, I hate for that to sort of be an indication of me not enjoying it there. I just got a really great offer back to mm. come back to News Corp as editor-in-chief of news.com.au. But um, but I loved it and Mayor was always very generous with me. She's a very... Um, She's a fiercely creative person, so she sort of they tumble out of her head at a rate of knots. So it was really, um, it was really interesting. It's it was good being part of a sort of smaller site for a while, where you've got a lot of flexibility to make changes very quickly. And what did you learn? I mean, what did you learn about? I mean, because Mamma Mia, I mean, back then in particular, I mean, it's kind of part of the furniture now a little bit, and I mean that in the greatest respect. But uh, back then, it was very much on the edge, cutting edge of where the industry was going. Well, I think they're doing a great job around podcasts, for example. I mm. think what they're doing in podcasts is amazing. Look, I probably, in terms of where you know where the industry's going, I don't know if that's what I learned. I was surprised at how much I learned about um, feminism, which seems ridiculous because you know I've came, come from a feminist background in the sense that you know I just never thought women couldn't do anything. That mm-hmm. I thought of myself as a feminist, but there were lots of issues that sort of because you're in that environment that you sort of almost look at from a sort of um, a different perspective or maybe you go a bit deeper and like I kind what? of... Well, let's oh, give me an example because that's, uh, yeah. I think, well, an example that I didn't learn at Mamma Mia but I think was something that came out of Me Too, for example, was the sense that, you know, as a woman I've always thought, you know, I get it, you know, I get what women get you know, spoken down to and, and that women are harassed and it was great when all of that was, was peeled back. But the second part of Me Too was the fact that lots of people who are marginalised also kind of put their hand up and said, oh, Me Too. And I realised that despite the fact that I've always, you know, obviously thought in a very, um, 
you know, I've always thought that I've got a great humanitarian sort of understanding of people who mm. might be more disadvantaged in life. I thought, can I swear? Yeah, push can. <laughs> swear away. I thought, what the fuck do you know, Kay? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, a, you're right. a white middle-class woman. And I guess I'm not trying to sort of talk myself down, but, like, honestly, I, I think it dawned on me that, like, do you really understand the position of a of a of an Aboriginal woman in a domestic violence situation? Do you really understand what it's like for a disabled person, um, you know, mm. who's who's never been able to get a job in a you know? I, I guess it just mm. made me mm. feel a little bit humble that whole thing because I thought, even when you think that you know, and you can go, oh no, I feel for those people. I think maybe you have to kind of realise you don't necessarily you gotta, know. You, you don't yeah. know. You've got to and walk think, in the shoes then, I think right? at Mamma Mare that was sort of some of the things that we would look at is you'd look at an issue but then you'd look at it again and you'd think, can I really speak to this? Mm. Do I really have a right to a voice? And me, I'd be like, oh, of course we do. We can speak about this. And I think the people there, and it wasn't always mayor, sometimes it's the young women who work there, would sort of, because they've got this sort of ethos, they would say... I don't know if you can speak to that. So I guess I learnt some lessons from younger women too, from a different generation mm. who who look at the world a little bit differently to me. Mm. Cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about current events. Uh, press freedom, very much, uh, very much a current event. In the wake of the raids on News Corp's uh, Nika, uh, Nika Smethurst and the ABC, we've seen this unprecedented, really, alliance of news organisations. Mm demanding action to ensure journos can do their job and whistleblowers can blow, if you like. And lo and behold, the government and the opposition seem to be listening, mm. right? We now have this plans for what, not one, but two federal inquiries into media freedom. Um, so they are politicians not only listening, they're also acting. What do you think? Where is this going to go and what needs to happen? Well, you know, I, I hope that they do act to protect the freedom of the press. I, I you know, I, I think, unfortunately, sometimes in that messaging, I, I hope that it didn't get lost on the people, what we were trying to talk about. This wasn't about, you know, just the press saying we've got the right to do whatever we want. Sure. This is the fact that unless you have um, some protections around um, people who want to speak to the press, unless you can know that they're not going to be investigated or persecuted or um, that the AFP is not going to come after you, that people will stop speaking out about injustices. They will stop speaking out about corruption because they'll know that they're not protected. I think these are sort of fundamental parts of mm. the way the media operates. It's the fact that journos would rather go to jail than give up a source. You can't operate in an environment where you need to tell me something important because you have no other way of, of creating change than talking to a journalist. And yet you know that at the drop of the hat, your identity will be given up, your life could be ruined, you could be prosecuted yourself. I think it's it's an appalling state of affairs that those raids took place. Oh, okay. So, Kate, what needs to happen? And maybe we turn our attention a bit to that social media space as well about this. Yeah, well, you know about the um, defamation payout um, or the defamation uh, ruling the other day uh, uh, in terms of Facebook. So mm. Nationwide News was... was um, uh, found to have defamed Dylan Voller, who uh, you famously yep. remember sort of... Was incarcerated in Darwin and yes, caused the... Well, didn't cause it, well, his treatment caused the Royal Commission. Correct. So um, around that, we've got this sort of fairly crazy situation where um, Nationwide News has been held responsible for a Facebook post that they put up um, and a comment 
that was found to have defamed um, mm. defamed him. Now, look, the the issue is with this is that the judge kind of didn't. I don't know if he didn't really understand what was going on because he sort of suggested that we could have turned off the comments. Mm, but you can't, right? Can't. Yeah. Can't turn off comments. Yeah. And it seems that the reporting about this has been really odd, even in trade media, I think because they're reading from the judgment. Right. And the judge assumed that you could turn off comments so that – and because, you know, you were putting stuff off on, up on Facebook in, a, in order to draw commentary or people to start mm. talking about it, that you kind of – you knew what was going to happen. But the, the, the problem is it means that any story you put up on Facebook, yeah. you can't turn the comments off. Facebook does not give publishers – doesn't give anyone the ability to, to pre-moderate. All you can do is post-moderate. But once a, a, a mm. comment has been up – you've essentially potentially defamed someone right there and then. So you can add some filters. You can obviously add some keywords like pedophile or like dodgy Mm -hmm. or you can add filters that can help mitigate that risk, but you can only moderate after publication and you don't have the option of turning... um, turning comments off so it's it's actually a really significant ruling and i'm not really sure where it's going to go at this point i think that the 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 best thing to do would be for facebook to make a change so that publishers had a right to not turn comments on because there's just no way and it's not even just publishers it's obviously you know big corporations who have facebook pages it's politicians who have facebook pages Anyone can jump on, can say something defamatory. Well, it could be neighbours. Uh, you say something about another neighbour. You can still, do, you know, defame someone about a dispute about a fence. I mean, but the crazy ruling from our perspective is that Facebook doesn't seem to be drawn into this at all, even though they're the mm. ones pulling all the sort of the levers. They haven't been asked to to take any responsibility for comments that are left on their platform. Um, publishers are seen as the publisher yes. of the defamatory comment, even though they didn't write it, they published it so look i'll be interested to see where that goes but it is going to create some major headaches and and i I don't know if 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 nothing changes i think publishers will need to make decisions about whether they post on facebook at all Mm. yeah it's great debate and maybe the um a report which coming out very soon might uh, also touch that off as again um talking about big stories of the week um tom gleason won the logies uh, basically for taking the piss out of the Logies, and then he got up and made a speech in which he even more took the piss out of the Logies. Uh, was that a great news moment, uh, or are we seeing the death of the Logies? Do- uh, I think it was pretty good. I think the Logies <laughs> must have known. I mean, his intro speech was just, you know, he just cut through the Logies so so terribly. They, they must have known that that was coming. So I think that they've obviously seen that it's... Um, it's controversial. It's going to create a bit of excitement. I mean, good news for the Logies then. Sorry? Maybe. It's good news for the Logies. I think probably good news for the Logies. I mean, mm. it's a, in some ways it's a bit sad. I sort of felt bad for people like Amanda Kelly. You kind of think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you get a get some sort of reward for your years in, in the business? And it is a bit hard to see someone just taking the piss out of it like that. But, look, I don't know him at all. I don't know him personally. I don't know whether he, he went at it with a sort of with – a, with a level of just humour or whether there was a viciousness in it. I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think it was probably good for the Logie, so definitely, definitely you know, a bit of excitement. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Well, it certainly got everyone talking about the Logies again. I mean, in this kind of converged world we live in, where, you know, uh, what you do on news.com is not dissimilar to what uh, Seven does on its website and what have you. I mean, 
don't we need a new kind of I mean, also a serious question really is don't we need a, a way of recognizing them i mean the logos seem to me a bit of an ac- anachronism really these days because who watches appointment tv well i know i know and you know my kids watch watch youtube or they watch it on um streaming services yeah or foxtel you know they're not watching they actually never turn on appointment tv free-to-air tv no, not sitting mine down. are the same. Exactly They're the same. not sitting down to watch The Voice even. So, I, look, I'm not sure what the future of that is. I know that's still got obviously got a huge market, but it's um, it's got to be dwindling. Mm. Mm. Well, maybe we need uh, a sort of a Logies or a Walkleys that looks at or rewards the kind of, you know, achievements that News Doc, I'm not, well, I am pissing in your pocket. but I've talked uh, to The Walkleys about that. Yeah, well, there should be one that looks at calories that looks at, Click shares and engagements, well, right? Well, I think what the Walkleys, when we had a conversation about it and I sort of said, you know, we do so many things that are important, I think, in, in news and, you know, what we do has value, but they'll come back and they'll say, these, but these are awards for journalism. And I say, well, I understand that, but it's it's not, not all journalism is three months spent in the NT, you know, looking at vanishing dot paintings like right. i understand that's a worthwhile story and probably does deserve a walkley but not every journalist can do that so i sort of you sort of you're sort of halving your market or maybe even like it's it's a quarter of the quarter of who who, who has the time to do those sort of stories anymore mm. i'm not saying that we should abandon good no. journalism a, at all well you're privileging but the likes of the abc and you are space. privileging the likes of the abc that's yeah. right who who have still resources and and time for that um but whereas companies who have um commercial components which most do um and are sort of still chasing those markets and need to um you know as we've seen you know sometimes make redundancies uh, you know, they just don't have those options of spending that sort of length of time. So it can't just be, you know, I, I, I went and did this for six months and and I was able to do this massive investigation because there's a lot of people who have the ability to do that just don't have the platform to do it on anymore. So, so what think, did the Walkley say to you? Um, I can't remember. It was a while ago. I think right. they just sort of said that. I mean, it was a good conversation. They were actually talking about some of the awards. It was just a, mm. a discussion um, about, you know, the awards and, you know, I think they they look at that regularly to see whether they need to change them or or shift them or, you know, do they have too many, do they have too little. So um, I'd like to see more more digital journalism recognition or awards that go beyond sort of like innovation. And it's like, well, that's great. We all know infographics are enormous. They're amazing. (laughs) But it's not – but they're done by our product teams and they deserve recognition too. But I guess I'm talking about like – you know who who cracked it? Who who did the best digital execution around you know a massive news event like Christchurch? Yeah, you who know, did? Probably news.com.au. I would <laughs> say we to. did. I would we say we did. I would say we did. It's like you know, I, I the ABC obviously um, you know leads in in um, in politics most of the time, but we beat them in a a, a month of a federal election. We hung on to our number one because we know what our readers like and they came to us in the end for politics. And yeah. that might surprise people, but our readers are passionate about politics. They love it. They just need it brought to them in a way that they sort of get, like, why do I care about this again? Well, that brings up a, a subject that we've talked a little bit about several times on this show, which is uh, what well, springs out of the most recent uh, digital news report 
which is a global survey of uh, consumer attitudes to news. <laughs> the local part of that is done by the University of Canberra. It came out a couple of weeks ago, and it had some disturbing results, which you know go to exactly what you're just talking about. One was Australians are massive avoiders of news. Two, that interest in news is falling. And three, that many Australians think the news is too negative and not relevant to their lives. I mean, what do you think about that? You'd, you'd, know, how to, you'd that. know how to fix that, I wouldn't you? I haven't seen that. That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> 65% of Australians are identified as news avoiders, which means not all, not all the time, but occasionally, sometimes, or often. I think they're liars. That can't be right. How can they say they're news avoiders? They can't avoid news because they're all, they're all on Facebook, so they're getting their news through Facebook, if nothing well, else. Well, that's the point that a lot of uh, consumers think that if it's important, news will find them rather than it, you know, mm. the other way around, which I think is actually quite true yeah yeah and look we have a lot more control over our news than we used to people use apps uh so they you know they either turn on their alerts or they don't um they certainly see their phone as their environment so they're Mm. either looking at it through you know a news.com.au app or they're looking at it through their apple um feed or another feed that they've set up but they do i think people like that area of control so again that's part of our job is to make our, our our content so compelling or our currency so valuable that people feel that they it's important to them. We we know that we know that their times, um, you know, limited. Mm. You can't just say, "Oh, you must read this massive long form." It's like, all right, maybe or maybe not. You know, how many things have I bookmarked that I'll never ever read? If only, if yeah. only I had time. So I, look, I don't know. I'm not that depressed about it. I think that's probably. I I hate to say poo poo to that survey, but. You can say poo-poo if you well, want. Well, I just I don't see it. I think our numbers are going up. Obviously, we fight hard against some big competitors for our numbers, but I don't think people are tired of news. I think uh, I don't think they're not going to the news. I think they're weary of it. I actually think that there's probably just a lot of news around, so that sort of they get a, a bit overwhelmed. Well, a final question on that. One of the things that came out, as I said, was that a lot of people find the news too negative. Do you? And what are your what do you think about that? Because you know, you you kind of mix it up quite a lot. Yeah, in I think they tend to be drawn to negative stories. To be honest, um, I think that um, I think that if I were to put a, a negative story and then a really positive story next to each other on a homepage, the negative story would probably be the one they would click on. Which doesn't mean we don't run positive stories. We do them all the time. But again, you you can't just say this is really heart heartwarming because they don't seem to to care so it is a sort of discrepancy in what they report and what they actually read um yeah we we mix it up we you know you don't want a whole uh, a whole homepage that's full of of doom and gloom but um you know unfortunately there are some pretty awful things going on and and those are the things that people seem to be interested in finding out about and we shouldn't necessarily avoid them no you can't avoid the news industry it's our job you can have a good news section yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, well, on that note, I think we're going to leave this. We could talk for another two hours. I we could talk forever. Yeah. Um, Anthony's got to go home. <laughs> He's got to go home. He's going to feed the kids. It'll stop them getting them off their phones. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kate DeBrito, editor-in-chief of news.com.au. I hope you see why 10 million Australians a month can't be wrong. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
Nice to be here. Yeah, well, we'll do it again sometime. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to The Fourth Estate. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER and on, heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. And make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast app so you can hear it when you like and you can hear us talk about media, politics and a few things in between. Uh, we'll be back with more next week, but in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. And yes, thanks to Anthony, my producer, and my name is Peter Frey, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>